The conversations on this podcast are between the host and the guest and are not directed at any member of the general public. The information is for your listening pleasure, but is not offering you any personal advice. If you have heard something that you feel may be relevant to yourself, please visit your medical practitioner or mental health provider. Hello and welcome to Life Changes You. I'm Daniel and as always I hope you've had a good week. It's uh, been quite good here in Australia although we're in winter so it's a little bit colder now and uh, people from all around the world that I speak to, some places it's summer, some places it's spring but it's good to be uh, doing a podcast today. I had a four-week break so it's nice to be back and have new guests and new ideas to share with you. So today I have Vandy J. Sexton, who is from Denver. Is that Denver, Colorado? Yeah, Denver, Colorado. Denver, Colorado. And he's learning yoga and is a drag artist. So it, I'm really pleased to meet you finally. We've chatted a bit on Instagram and it's nice to finally connect with you. Yeah, it's really nice to meet you. <laughs> so do you want to tell me a little bit about your life around what you've done so far? Well, my parents came from a civil war. They came from Cambodia. Wow. Pretty much it was my dad, my mom, my half-brother and half-sister, and I have an uncle in Germany that survived the war. So the rest were pretty much wiped out. So were you actually little when you came from Cambodia or were you born in the United States? United States. Right. There's that story. Yeah. And... It was crazy. I had an older sister who died of starvation. It's just kind of crazy to see how my parents are. They're the most kindest, gentle souls you can ever meet, which is insane for what they had to live through during the Khmer Rouge period with Pol Pot in Cambodia and just all the things they had to deal with. I can talk about, let's say my mom, like when she was, you know, hiding and running from base camp to base camp. Um, I think it was in Thailand when she finally went to, I think it was a Red Cross. Mutual friends had told her her husband had died in the war. And it was in Thailand. She had a choice to either go with my uncle to Germany or come to the United States. So she came to the United States with my dad. I feel like I was a celebration child. <laughs> I mean, her story is really crazy because it's just like after her coming to the United States, I mean, she was already remarried and everything. And I remember 15 years later, she gets a call and they tell her that her husband is still alive. Oh, wow. He made out. I think he lives in Philadelphia. You know, it's crazy because they had both moved on and they both have families and everything. Um, so it was kind of like heartbreaking for my mother yeah. to deal with such tragedy. And for my dad, my biggest story about him that he tells is, so the Khmer Rouge had already taken him to go get killed. And they've already taken him out. And sometimes their way of testing people, I'm, he had a gun to his head and, you know, look you straight in the eyes. And if you spoke a different language, if you were educated, if you were someone higher in, I guess, in Cambodia, you were the first to die. So 
some ways, how would they would test you is they would look at you, your eyes, and they say, parlez-vous français? And if they flicker, they'd be like, okay, this guy speaks a different language. But <sighs> so I'd already taken my dad out to kill him. And with the grace of God and everything, the chamber of the gun didn't lock. Like something happened to the gun. Wow. So that was the day that my da- dad was able to escape. So if that didn't happen, I would have not been born. So oh. I'm very thankful for those. I mean, sometimes when I go through hardships in my life, I can think about how hard it is that other people have and what my parents have gone through. And I'm like, okay, it's not that bad. But then again, I mean, I'm born a spoiled American Asian child who likes Taylor Swift. So it's a completely different culture, but um, it's definitely very humbling to think of what they had gone through and stuff. So my brothers and sisters, they have like little burn marks from the soldiers like on their stomachs mm. and their arms. It was kind of like, what is it like where they take like the horseshoes and they burn people? Oh my God. They did that to my brother, my mom, dad. They all have their little scars. So, yeah. Well, so, yeah, I mean, it is. It's amazing that they got away and that they got to America and then you were born and... So you went through high school? Uh, yeah, I went through high school. It was a trying time. <laughs> I got teased a lot just for being different. Yeah. And I'm, I mean, I'm thankful. I mean, once I had like graduated from high school, I was like, I'm out. I'm gay. I'm out. We're <laughs> done. I'm done with this small city. So yeah. And I went to college. I didn't finish. But um, it was a cool a school called Metro State, and probably like five or six years senior. <laughs> but I finally just decided that you know it's like being in the makeup cosmetic industry, drag industry was just something for me, and yeah. what I love to do. So, have you worked in makeup? Like, are you a makeup artist for other people? I do freelance makeup. So, I mean, a, a lot of gay queer people like to get their makeup done in Halloween and it's always their trying time. I mean, I got, that was the first time I did drag was for Halloween. So yeah. And I think um, people should have a look at your Instagram page. I'm not sure you're on Facebook too, but uh, some of your creations are pretty amazing. You're really good at the makeup artistry. I was just having a look at some pictures then and that's how I found you because I, I loved your pictures because they were so bright and colourful and you always seem so happy and positive and I know that we're not all happy and positive all the time but that's how you come across. I mean, we're definitely not all. I mean, it's like Facebook, Instagram. I mean, it's just like it's well, you get to show what you want your audience to see. I mean, no one's going to post their failures on Instagram and be like, okay. Oh, hey. I suck at life. Hi, you know? So I think I feel like Instagram is a little bit more fabricated than what your real life is. But I definitely see myself as when I'm moved by a sort of like watching your posts or I'm just like, oh, that's amazing. Okay. I never got that. So there's always like a possibility of just learning something new that I enjoy and I feel like there's not enough love and light 
in the world, as we say. I mean, sometimes, I mean, I'm one to go home and be like, you know, once I'm done with performances, I come on like, I hate everyone, you know, like, and just be about one of me by myself, like, leave me alone. But isn't that also like your adrenaline rush because you've like put so much into it? Because when I was in my 20s, I used to do amateur theatre. And I know that the Thursday, Friday, Saturday nights I did, I was wired for those three days. And then Sunday, I would be almost like, oh, I hate the world because I'd been on such a high. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes like I'd say during COVID when I was like grieving the most, I mean, when you're stuck in your apartment, I felt like I didn't realize how much I enjoyed connection and being with people, having conversations face to face. So my drag mother had passed away, I'd say three or four months before COVID started. Yeah. And then my drag dad, her husband, 20 years passed away three months later. And it was my first experience of putting my neighbor's dog. He put, uh, I was really close to him dealing with that kind of death. And then after that, dealing with the COVID deaths. And we actually had a friend who was so depressed that he shot himself because COVID. And it was just that bad. And I, I grieved a lot. And during that time frame, I also partied a lot. I developed really just a nasty habit of coping with my emotions with partying and drinking and everything. And I feel like I'm just barely getting out of it and learning how to take care of my body and my mind more. I know that when my mind and my body and soul are not in alignment, like there's a lot of chaos that I create. And sometimes I, what I've learned is that I like creating chaos because it makes me feel normal. Right. Yeah. Something's got to be wrong, you know, but then I realize I can just like let that go. So during COVID, how did you manage with not being able to perform? Was that main income is performing? Um, Performing and then also, well, my dad has cancer and he's had cancer for almost, I want to say eight or nine years. And I cook him weekly meals and um, care for him, take him to go get his blood drawn. So yeah, like daytime caretaker, nighttime princess drag queen. (laughs) Yeah, so it's just around New Year's. It was before I actually went on stage. It was just like, I received a text from my mom, my stepmom saying that my dad is going to the emergency room. And I was like, what do I do? And it was just like, right, literally like five minutes before I went on stage. That was like really hard for me because that's all I could think about is like, I need to be with my dad. But, you know, luckily I have like good support system, community and sisters who were there to help console and help me deal with what I was dealing with at that time. They tested my dad when he was in the hospital for COVID about two or three times and realized it wasn't some type of blood issue. But two weeks later, my dad had just decided that he wanted to get off of his meds. And that was really hard for me because I was like, I don't know if I'm ready, but seeing him at home in his space, just seeing how joyful he is makes me feel really, really happy. And these are the best days that I can 
just be with him and allow him to enjoy his life the way he wants it. I feel like there was a point in my life where I finally just made peace with death. Right. For a minute, I felt like I was just this poster child of death. Like, don't touch me. Don't look at me. You'll turn into stone. <laughs> Something's going to happen to you. But, you know, I also let that go. And those are just little things I let go of in order for me to just be fully present for my parents and my dad, especially. It, look, it, it's hard as uh, our parents age. I mean, my mom's in her early 80s now and she has Parkinson's and some days uh, she's great and other days she's not so great. She still lives on her own and does her own thing Um, and myself and my sister go and visit her every day. But there are times when it feels like it's so close to the end and then the next day you see her and she's all perky and chatty and laughing and and you think, oh, my God, you know, yesterday I was preparing for the end and today it's back to normal. So it, it, it is quite a toll on your brain, isn't it, and your mental health because you're constantly thinking about them. It really does. Like there'll be days where my dad says he's not feeling well. And there'll be other days where he will take himself outside and just do small things. Like the other day, like he's like, he mowed half of the lawn and was very proud of himself. And I was like, well, great job, you know, like, (laughs) and then other days he'll just be laying in his bed and just not feeling well. Yeah. Well, look, I mean, I guess that shows to you that he still wants to be here and there's still things that he wants to do, even if it's mowing half the lawn. He does. I mean, I've had moments where I've talked to him and I was just like, I just don't, you know, my selfish way of being, it was just like, I don't know if I'm ready to accept you choosing this. But then after realizing that, you know, this is the best decision for him. And I did a lot of research on, you know, when you're a parent or someone chooses home care hospice it's like the best thing to do is not to ask about their health or their situation because they've heard from thousands and thousands of doctors what their diagnosis is and what they are so the best thing I can do is just bring him joy and happiness and cook him like his favorite meals that he loves sometimes I'll bring my little boombox speaker and play music for him (laughs) Well, look, my housemate at the moment has just been diagnosed with terminal cancer and uh, he's been told he has about two years left. Uh, and we're lucky because we share a house, but we've got our own living areas and stuff. So we live our own lives. And I said to him at the beginning when he first got diagnosed, look, I'm not going to come in and ask you how you're feeling because you've got so many people calling you every day asking you how you're feeling. If you yeah. just want to tell me, just say, Dan, come in and I'll go in and we'll have a chat about how you're feeling. But the last thing you want is me coming home from work going, oh, how are you feeling today? You know? Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> he's he's pretty good. And look, he said that he's accepted what's happening. And I said to him, I don't know how you accept it, but I understand that you have to accept it because I've never been in your position. So for me, I can see what you're doing and how you're managing it, but I don't know how I would feel if it was me. Maybe I would be hysterical. Maybe I would be very calm about it. But I think until yeah. we face those things, we don't actually know how we would be. So it's usually better not to advise people how they should be feeling because we really yeah. have no idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Good lesson for me, but, yeah, I mean. Did you tell me how long you've been um, a drag artist? Because you look about 30 me thank you i actually turn 104 
Is that 104 in drag years or 104 in real years? Actually, no, I'll be 41 in 41. June. Right. So I've been doing drag since I was like 18. So I'd say a little over, I mean, a long time. Like 20 years. Yeah, a little over 20 years. Really, with Asians, you can't tell how old they are until they hit menopause. They're going to hit, like, <laughs> say it as a joke. It's just like we look young for so long and then you hit this stage where it's just like you just prune up and then shrink and gray hairs are everywhere and it's like meet me at the peach tree where i can give you wisdom and (laughs) yeah so what are two things that have changed your life i mean i guess knowing your family history would be one of them and what your parents went through Knowing my family history, I'm still learning, honestly. Like, there was this moment that I had in my life. It was just a month ago, and I was acting out. There was a lot of things where people would come into my life, and I I was doing a lot of blame shame. You know, I'd get into a confrontation with somebody, and my thing is, my way of being was I was just, you know, Either I'd say something back or I'd do something in martial arts. It's that what I've learned is like growing up, I did it for, I mean, being seven, eight years old, like, don't get mad, get even, you know, like do the same thing. And so I was like in Mexico and I actually like, I had this girl, I was in her VIP area with friends. I was with my friends, but she was just like, okay, you don't belong here. And I looked at it as if it was a personal attack. And then also, I mean, dealing with issues with social media where I felt like I was being betrayed by friends and being mistreated, creating a story in my head. Yeah. Just it got to the point where it's just like, okay, Mandy, you know, this is you need to learn from this. There's something that you need to learn from this. And what what is it that you need to learn? Because it just keeps coming up and it keeps coming up and it keeps coming up. Um I did a lot of meditation and I did a lot of journaling. I still do a lot of journaling. And what I realized for myself and how I was acting was I was holding on to my seven-year-old self when I would get bullied. I was teased from the way I acted, from the way I looked. And my recent actions, I didn't realize that I was actually acting upon basically protecting my seven-year-old self, if that makes sense. I was defending, controlling, forcing an outcome in conversations or in my doing and trying to prove a point that I was worthy while I'm just getting lost in the sauce And, you know, when I finally realized that, like, being 41 and I'm still holding on to this seven-year-old child me of when I used to be being teased, you know, all the way until high school and being made fun of that I've held on to that person for so long that I was like, wow, things just opened up in my head. And I was just like, I finally, in a meditation, saw myself holding and hugging my seven-year-old child and being like, it's okay. Like, you don't need to defend yourself. You don't need to act out in a way where I'm telling myself that I've got you, Mandy. I have you and I will hold you and I love you. And that's when I think I feel like 
everything just changed for me and my perceptive of seeing others around me in the world where everyone's just a human being. Everyone's just trying to get their way through life and they're just doing it in their own ways. And maybe I could possibly a trigger to them, but I'm not helping the situation by triggering off of them thinking that they're bullying me. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So you always you're constantly on guard as to something's and gonna that happen. Was a month ago. I mean, I had shut down my Instagram and I was like, I'm gonna be this way, I'm gonna be this person, trying to run away from my problems. And I finally had to just, you know, and then there's a lot of shame and there's a lot of I, there's things that I think about constantly. If if I would have known better how I, I could have handled that situation or how I could have been had I been my best self at that time. But instead, I let those triggers get to me to the point where I would had nothing. I was pretty much just screaming (laughs) and it just didn't feel good. And I know that in part in my healing process, I'm still healing. Um, Looking now, knowing if something is going to upset me or whatnot, or if I'm feeling a little bit bothered, I can take that time to meditate and just search deep down inside me and just think, okay, where is this coming from? (laughs) So that way I can face it and deal with it head on. So huge breakthrough for me. And also another breakthrough that I had dealt with a few weeks ago was learning the difference between attachments and connection. I mean, I'm attached and I'm a jealous girlfriend. I'm attached to people. I'm attached to places. I'm attached to my memories. I'm attached to so many things. And when you have those attachments and those expectations, it's always going to be failure or it's always going to be something that is not fulfilled versus having connections yeah. where I'm having a conversation with you and this is our connection. I'm connected to my dog. Yeah. I'm connected to my dad. And that was another like, okay, light bulb. Like, okay, yeah. I got it, man. You got it. You got I, I got it. I get it. And are you feeling a lot more calmer now that you've had these two realizations? Because they're both big things, aren't they? I mean, uh, realizing that the connection uh, is back to your childhood when you are being bullied and how you felt then and always being on guard now in your adult life because you might hear something and think, oh, are they bullying me when actually they're just making a comment which isn't probably even directed right (laughs) at you? Yeah, yeah. It was a huge breakthrough because in my actions, like I would think to myself, okay, Vandy, like that's not good. You know, nobody wants to be labeled as a mean person or a bad person, or I don't know. Like I always pride myself on being a very kind queen, but sometimes, you know, especially when you're working in an entertainment industry, sometimes a queer community, it's just, you know, Taylor Swift, she says, uh, Shay never made anybody less gay. <laughs> Sometimes when you go to the clubs, there are certain situations where you kind of have to play a role. But also, I feel like I always just try to be more true and authentic and just be kind. And, you know, you just never know what other people are going through. Especially with me, like my expectation is just like, don't you know what I've just been through? Like, just dealt with deaths and stuff like that. And it's like, why are people mocking, you know? But then I just think, oh, wait, wait a minute. It was all story created in your head. 
And also the thing is that some of those people might not know the depth of what you've just been through with a death yeah. from someone. You know, you might still be coming across as quite happy and carefree and they're like, well, he doesn't really care about it. And inside you're going, oh, my God, this death has just destroyed yeah. me. You've also got the hard part of, you know, being an entertainer and being you um, and the people who know you as the entertainer know you as this persona and then people who know you as you are here. And I would say there would probably be a lot less people know your private person as to know your drag persona. Um, During COVID and my grieving, I had a loss, a lot of hair. And there are some pictures I can show you on Instagram, but I was like, I mean, to the point where I was like almost going bald and it was just, um, I went to my doctor and I was like, you're either going to give me hair pills or you're going to give me Xanax. (laughs) I got my hair pills. I remember I was going to, I think it was a recent party. It was a crawfish party. And I posted a little story of just how proud, how happy I was. Like my neighbor, my drag children, you know, styled my hair and stuff like that. And I look on a mutual friend's social media and what it seemed like it was that he was like kind of teasing me because I was, you know, happy to get dressed up and get done by my friends and stuff. And this is the hurt part of, you know, seven-year-old me just thinking like, why would he say that? I was, you know, almost going bald during COVID. And I just felt really happy and beautiful and proud of myself that I looked good. And so I wanted to post it and acknowledge my friends for making me look good and feel good. And like I said, when I finally just realized that I was able to just let go of that stubborn seven-year-old, things have been so much more freeing in my life. And there's more space for friendships and new things and possibility and opportunity. Well, look, I know know you just said that you're just 41 and your life seems to be changing and you're having me. (laughs) I said, let's go with 104. 104. But look, from my point of view, when I turned 40, that's when I started doing my counselling diploma and degree. My life changed around and I wanted to do new things. And maybe that's the sort of thing for for men is that we we get to a point and then we go, actually, I've had enough of all this and I want to try something different. And our lives change around. Yeah. So now you're going to be a yoga instructor. You're learning to be a yoga yeah, instructor. Um, um, I want to teach some yoga and I also want to teach uh, sculpting. Um, I just feel like how healing it was, how learning how to be present with your mind and your body and just getting out of your head. Before yoga, I was very much, I mean, I still am an analyzer, an overthinker think of every possible bad outcome, like good outcome, like whatever it is. You know, I'll have like a Facebook or an Instagram picture and I'll stare at it until I can like, just be like, okay, you're ugly, Mandy. Like, you know what I mean? Like stare at it long (laughs) enough to be like, okay, Mandy, that critical of myself. So you need to calm Daniel in a critic. You need to give him uh, some time to, go, look, you know, it's time that you took a back seat. I'm the critic now and I'm going to be fine with whatever I do and however I am. And you can take a back seat. I'm not really going to listen to you anymore. (laughs) Does that that sound good? Yes, I love that. 
Yeah, because we all have that inner critic. And look, when I started the podcasting, I was like, oh, does my voice sound all right? Do I look all right? Blah, blah, blah. Even now, because I'm in my 50s, I don't usually put a lot of posts up with my image on it because I just think, look, I look old. Who wants to listen to an old person? Um, and I'm not really old because I'm quite sprightly and I, I work really well with the guys here. Uh, I do a job which is a lot of fun and I'm, I'm a fun person. But, you know, uh, you, you have that inner critic. So when I started, it was like, oh, you know, how's this going to come out? And now I'm almost up to three years of doing the podcast. And now I'm a lot more confident with myself. And I don't listen to the inner critic that says, oh, your voice sounds terrible or you sound naively or I absolutely agree. I mean, I, I did a self-development course. It was called Landmark. And what they teach you is that, you know, with your brain, it's called you're already always listening because they're already always listening to like everything. And you'll have conversations in your head for days with yourself. And it really is a conversation in your head. Yeah. And, and, and when it's your own conversation, you can steer it whichever way you're feeling. So if you're having a bad day and you're having that conversation, you can guarantee it's going to be a negative conversation. But if you had that same conversation two days later, when you're feeling really positive, it will be a different outcome. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. What I've suggested to some people is use the memo thing on your, um, look, it's probably on Google phones too, but on an Apple phone and say how you're feeling that day. And then a couple of days later, go back and listen to it and go, actually, I was just having a shit day yeah. that day. <laughs> I don't know why I was thinking all these things about me because I actually feel yeah. quite good. <laughs> I have fibromyalgia. So there are some days I wake up and I feel really, really ill. Like I'm tired. I have pain everywhere. And I've taught myself to say to myself, it's just a day. Because for me, usually the next day is a lot better. And then the next day is better again. Years ago, I'd have a bad day like that. And I'd be like, oh, this is the rest of my life. I'm not going to be able to do anything. I'm going to be stuck in bed. Because that's what I was told when I was 40. Look, you'd either be in bed for the rest of your life or in a wheelchair. Well, 51 oh. now and I'm not in a wheelchair. <laughs> I'm not in bed. I love that. I love that. It's yeah, we, we can change how we're going to be. And look, it is hard to change those conversations around in your head because when you're on a negative day, it, no matter how hard you try, you're still going to find the negativity. But it sounds like you are coming around to new realisations where you're realising that your self-worth is not trapped by what was happening to you when you were seven, that you are actually able to move through that and not take so much offence from people when they're making a comment because their comment could be a throwaway comment that they're just making because they think, oh, Vandy can handle that. And then all of a sudden you've gone, well, what did you say that for? Because that's not very nice. And sometimes we just got to let those ones Absolutely. go. Absolutely. That's what I love about being human and being you know, learning and living through the weird times, the crazy times, the bad times. I mean, it's all a great learning experience and just being alive and being a part of this world just feels so good. <laughs> Look, I think you're, you're so right because every day we're learning lots of different things from all the different interactions. And as you said, the different connections we have, and some of them are good and some of them are bad. But if we can take out what we want from that and then move into the next day, we're always learning, aren't we? And we can only know what we know today. So in six months' time, I might talk to you and you go, oh, wow, you know, in the last six months I've learned all this. So from when I was back then, that's how I felt. But that was what you knew then. Now you know new things in six months' time and 
two years time you'll know new yeah. things again so we're all learning different ways of Absolutely. coping so you should never ever put yourself down for where you are today and what you know today because you're learning every day Yes, I absolutely agree with that comment. I mean, for a moment, like you said, it's just like when you're down, you're down. And there's moments where I've had where I just wanted to just like shut the world away. But you know what? Like, this isn't fun. And taking the time for yourself to just be kinder to yourself. It sounds easy for others, but for me, I kind of struggle with that a little bit. Just going through life, but then also I'm just like, hey, you know, maybe it's not that bad. And look, I think you've also got a harder part to it because you are a drag artist where you are up, you are beautiful, you are this person that people just go, oh, wow, that's Vandy. In some ways you're thinking, well, why aren't I as happy as that? Because when you're performing, you've got all that extra adrenaline and you feel like, wow, I'm unstoppable. And and then when you're you, then it's like, oh, I just don't feel as good as that today. Yeah, I actually, I was like watching something. It was like from a guru. It's just like people who act like superhumans always tend to do stupid things. And I was like, wow, that's me. I was like, I was acting like I was a super drag queen that could do all these things. And they're like, look at all this shit that I fucked up. (laughs) I mean, it's very true. And it resonated with me. And I was just like, wow. I was like, okay. Mandy, see, you're at a 10. Let's just keep it at a level five. <laughs> so, yeah, it was very humbling. Well, look, at Vandy, it's been really good to talk to you. Um, I'm glad we connected on Instagram. And, you know, there's some insightful things that you've talked about today, which I'm sure other people listening will go, well, actually, yeah, that's how I feel. Or maybe I should try some yoga or maybe I need to release my inner child yeah. that I'm still locked into. Because when people hear your story and other stories, that's when they go, actually, that's a turning point. And that's why I do the podcast, because I want people to hear normal people talk about their lives that they can then go, actually, what Vandy said was really important. Because you don't hear this stuff all the time. And as you say, on social media, usually we're just doing little updates about how great our day was. But for someone to listen now and hear you, I mean, you'd probably have a lot of your friends that would listen and go, actually... That's that's Vandy and that's the Vandy I know. And others might go, actually, I didn't know that about Vandy. And they learn about you. And then they'll have more compassion when they come up to you and you think, oh, that's the person who said something bad to me. They'll go, hey, Vandy. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, what I would just want people to know is just sometimes it, it really is hard to see the best people. But if you can come from a stance where you're already whole and complete and give people the benefit of the doubt and sometimes it can be a little bit of a minuscule to some people where you're like, uh, you know, but if you can the best in each and every one, then it just makes this world a better place. I think. Beautiful. And so if people want to find you, you're Vandy J Sexton on Instagram. Are you the same yep. on Facebook? I am the same on Facebook. All right. Well, I ask people to go and have a look at some of your creations because they are really, really amazing. And you look, you look outstanding. You look astounding as you are now, but some of your drag, drag, drag uh, um, artistry, the makeup is amazing. Thank it's really you. good. So thank you for joining me. It was a pleasure yeah, to see you. Same to you. I'm so happy we met. It's great. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. Well, that was another episode of Life Changes You. If you want to contact us, we're available on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And we also have a website, lifechangesyou.com.au. So until next time, take care of each other and thanks for listening.